Hey, good to be with you guys two weeks in a row. Thanks for having me. Um, We're just going to continue on in Matthew, so open up to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18, we'll be covering uh, like a parable this morning, verses 21 to 34. I'll be reading out of the ESV. Got to flip there too. Matthew 18, 21. The title this morning is When You Won't Forgive. Let's start, Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. That's God's word. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word this morning. I just, I'm really thankful that this passage starts with the words, then, then Jesus said to him, God, I'm just, thank you that Jesus, you speak, you, you have spoken in and through your word this morning. Thank you that this isn't, um, this isn't just like some tradition that we do. We go to church on Sundays like right now, God, you speak to us. Like the living God who rules the universe speaks to his church through his word. And so thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, God, that you speak to us. Holy Spirit, would you come now? Would you help us just to see the truth in your word? Make it clear to us. Would your spirit even just, we even ask that you would convict us and lead us, correct us the way we should go. And more than anything, God, I just ask that you would help us to see the glory and beauty of Jesus this morning. You are worthy. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I generally consider myself a pretty forgiving, uh, gracious person until I get in my car. Something changes about me. Like, I'm not that way unless I'm behind my steering wheel. Um, It just brings out this, like, crazy side of me. Like, my windows are down. 
I have a nice sound system, so I'm just blasting music. Everyone's just, you know, enjoying my music as they're driving next to me. I'm just in a good mood. And then the moment I get cut off, like I am a different human, like something comes out. The other day I was, I was in coast, the Coast Village, uh, like roundabout, if you've been there, and um, I'm kind of approaching and, you know, like it's not, you don't have to stop if no cars are coming. So I'm, I'm kind of coming in a little fast and there was this guy coming in uh, with a convertible and he was feeling probably threatened by me. I was coming in kind of hot and he just looks at me and just lays on the horn and just stares at me. And like the Holy Spirit was like, just let it be. And I'm like, just trying. And then I just couldn't help it. And like, as he went, I just laid back on the horn, just like, yeah, that's right. And then I watch him go. And then he's, and then so he instantly is just giving me a certain gesture and I'm just watching him drive by and he's looking in his rearview mirror and he doesn't see that someone pulls out in front of him. And so then he slams on his brakes and I'm just sitting there so satisfied. Like, that's right, dude, that's what you get. I have like no forgiveness, no grace. I'm like, yeah, justice. And I just drive on my way and then feel totally convicted. Like, man, I am not merciful. And, and, and I just allow this like pettiness to come out even when I'm just driving. I don't even know this guy. Um, showing mercy, we know, is, is relatively a difficult thing to do. To be gracious with people is something that, if we're honest, we probably all struggle with it. It may not be driving for you. It may be something else, but we all tend to struggle with being merciful. And you know, I actually think it's, I've noticed it's harder for Christians for some reason. I actually think like the world maybe does a better job at this than we do sometimes. And I think that's why the world looks like, really, you guys can't forgive us? Isn't that like your whole thing, like forgiveness? And I think it's something that the church, we really struggle with. And so Jesus is finishing this whole teaching on church discipline and how we deal with sin. And then Peter is, is kind of getting, he's like, okay, so we're like supposed to forgive people. We want to forgive. And so he asks Jesus in verse 21, and I like Peter's just honest, like, okay, Lord, honestly, how many times do I have to forgive somebody, right? And don't we, haven't we all been there? Haven't we all kind of had that question like, okay, isn't there just a point where I've forgiven you enough times, maybe like they should get it. Jesus, and so Peter says, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Um, this is even, this is something my wife experiences when she drives in the car with me. I, like again, it's the car for whatever reason, like I'm checking my email or the news. If there's just a little bit of traffic, I'm like, oh, I have to check something on my phone. I'm just, I'm tailgating people because they're cutting me off. And Every time my wife's so gracious, she's like, hey, maybe you don't do that. And then every time I'm like, I know I'm guilty. And I just say like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then 10 minutes later, it's something else. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And she's just constantly like, babe, you can't do that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And so she's just like, and then we've had the conversation like, okay, I know you say sorry, but this is like every time we drive, maybe there should be some progress, right? And I think we, we feel that. Like when we are trying to extend mercy, we're like, maybe there should be some progress. Do I have to keep saying I forgive you for the same thing over and over again? And, you know, it it actually can get kind of deeper. Like it may be some of our relationships where like, man, I'm getting hurt the same way over and over again. Even like oftentimes by my fellow Christians. And, And we all tend to wonder like, is there a limit to this nonsense? Like how many times do I have to say, I forgive you. Like how many times until we're like, I know you say sorry, but are you really sorry? Because you're doing the same things. Like we, we wrestle with that. And so Peter is just like us. And he's like, Jesus, how many times do I have to say I forgive you? 
And I love his limit. He's like, seven? Like in his mind, that's just seven times. Um, in the Jewish rabbinic, the rabbi's tradition, it's, it was a common practice that a repeated offense would be forgiven three times, the three strikes, but then after that, there's no more forgiveness. Like that was actually in the Jewish tradition. So P- Peter is like, I'm being pretty generous. I'm like more than doubling, like seven times, Jesus. Like you hear I said seven. Um, that's about as extreme as he could imagine. And we're probably familiar with Jesus' answer in verse 22. He says, no, I tell you 77 times, or even some of your translations may say 70 times seven. Uh, If you have an ESV or NIV, it's 77. If you have an NLT, NASB, King James, or something like that, it's 70 times seven. Uh, There's a a debate on that, but the point isn't, because this is funny, we're like, well, which one is this, 77 or 490? Like, I need to know. (laughs) Like, we're we're that way. But the Jesus' point here is that, that number seven, his whole point is, is I'm saying seven is his number of perfection, and my point is, is limitless. You are to extend limitless forgiveness, uh, and, and there's never a point when you are relieved of your duty to forgive. That is the point. Be it 77 or 70 times seven, the point Jesus is making here is you are never off the hook for forgiveness. And, and he's making this, this important point, this really profound point, that forgiveness is not just this like one-time event. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is a continual process, often a daily process, often seven times a day, or even 77 times a day, or even 490 times a day. Forgiveness is this constant process. And Listen, if all you, if you feel like I just say I forgive you for the same thing over and over and over again, you're actually doing something right. You're doing what Jesus said to do. That's what forgiveness looks like. And, and here's the other, the flip side. So sometimes we're over here like, how many times after you forgive you? On the other side, haven't we like forgiven someone, but then all of a sudden just something triggers and we're like, whoa, I'm. Like, what's that bitterness? What's that resentment? I thought I forgave them, but like that's still in there. And the point, again, is Jesus is saying, hey, you may have forgiven someone, but you're going to have to continually be forgiving people. There are some wounds that you're just going to have to keep forgiving them again and again in your heart. Just because you said, I forgive you once, doesn't let you off the hook to like, well, I said it, so I'm done. Like, it's this constant process of forgiveness. Now, really quick, important caveat Jesus isn't talking about abuse here. He's not talking about like, hey, if someone's abusing you, um, you, just, you just take it infinitely. He, he's talking about forgiveness. They're, they're two different things. The, the issue Jesus is talking about this morning is forgiveness. So there may be scenarios where like you need to establish healthy boundaries. Like I, I'm not going to be abused in this way. Um, but you never are off the hook for forgiving. Even in those really difficult situations, Jesus isn't saying, hey, just continue to be abused. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I'm talking about forgiveness. So that's an important little caveat there. So Jesus makes his point. I want you to forgive infinite times. And then he abruptly just starts telling a story because Jesus knows that truth, sometimes like we need to feel it. Sometimes it needs to like sneak in the back door for us to feel truth. And so he, he tells us this parable and he says this in verse 23, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Now, that king in that parable is God, and, and we, the world, are his servants. 
And, and there's coming a day when you, you and I, we're going to actually stand before God and give an account. And God's like, let's settle some accounts. Every human will stand before God. And uh, we're going to give account for our sin and for our life and the fruit of our life. And in particular, we're going to be held accountable to how we did in the area of forgiveness. That's a big one for God. And so he says, okay, so this is, the kingdom of heaven is like this king. He's bringing his servants before him. And in verse 24, it says this, one was brought who owed him 10,000 talents. Since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Okay, so this guy got himself into some severe debt. Now, Jesus uses this word 10,000 talents. Uh, your footnote may say what that is. We're not really familiar with 10,000 talents. A talent was 20 years wages, okay? So uh, if, like, for perspective, the median household income for the United States right now is $51,000. So 20, uh, 20 years is one talent. So a little bit of math here, $51,000 a year for 20 years equals $1,020,000. That's one talent right there. Now, how much did this guy owe? He owed 10,000 talents. So he owed $10,200,000,000. Okay, so we read like 20, you know, 10,000 talents. Oh, well, that's crazy. Like, he owed that much money. Jesus actually gives us this, this figure to just basically blow our minds. He owed the equivalent now of over $10 billion. So it's, it's a rather understatement to say he couldn't pay, right? This guy wasn't a king. This guy wasn't some like billionaire. He was a servant. He was a regular worker. And he owed the king over $10 billion, and so this, what's actually really ironic is he, he, he takes his posture of humility, like he gets on his knees and he's like, have patience with me. I'll pay you everything. Now, on the one hand, you're like, oh, that's cool. That's humble. But actually it's not. It's super arrogant. Like he can't pay $10 billion. Nobody can pay $10 billion. He's like, oh, I'll just have mercy. I'll pay you everything. I'll pay you everything. Even just for uh, reference, a top-notch servant at that time, like the, the best slave you could buy would be sold for about one talent. So if he were to just sell himself for his whole life, he would pay like one of the 10,000 talents that he owed. Like it's ridiculous for him to be like, I'll pay you. Don't worry. I'll pay you. And so he was ordered to be sold with his wife and his children and everything that he had. And that's just kind of painting this picture of like, man, this is a really desperate situation. Not only are you in radical debt, you're now in prison and you have no money, no capital, no ability to go like pay off your debt. Like this guy is in a really desperate situation. Now hear this. We should just take a, a moment and process that you and I are in the exact same boat as this servant. Every person in this room, me included, have accrued a spiritual debt before God a spiritual debt. And it's no small debt. A couple verses that refer to our sin in this terminology is one is in Romans 6, 23. It says, for the wages of sin is death. The wages, the wages of sin is death. 
And then Jesus explains it when he's teaching us to pray. He says this in Matthew 6 in the Lord's Prayer. He says, forgive us our debts. The point being that when we sin, we accrue a debt before God. We, there's wages, there's a cost, a price to be paid for our sin. Now, you and I and every human ever were actually born like into debt. We were born in the red. Uh, we were born in sin, the Bible talks about. And then from day one on, we have just been accruing a larger and larger debt against God. Every willful choice against God and his ways, every sin has been accumulating this debt before God. And just like this man, we would be crazy to, to think, do you know what? I think I could pay this off. God, just be patient with me. I'll pay it all. Like we're in the same boat as this guy. This figure is meant to just help us just feel the sheer impossibility of us ever thinking, I have what it takes to pay my debt before God. It's the equivalent of one of us going out saying like, do you know what? I can make $10 billion and $10.2 billion, no problem. Just give me some time. Be patient, God. I got this. There's even, uh, I looked it up, there's 60 men in the, in the world right now who could pay that debt. 60 out of 7 billion. So we're, we would be foolish to say, I can do this. I've got this. And what, you know what's crazy is we actually function day to day as if we could. And many of us function like we're trying to pay our debt off to God. So we do things like, okay, do you know, I'm just going to live a really good life and do really good stuff. And if I do enough good stuff, do you know, maybe I won't pay all of it, but I'll at least, you know, get some and, and maybe that'll look really good before God. And do you know what the sad truth is? All of our good deeds are tainted. It's tainted even when we're doing the very best thing that we can. There's this very humbling verse in Isaiah 64, 6, and it says this, and all our righteous deeds are, are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. This is, this is meant to help us feel the hopelessness. Like, man, you can't even be righteous enough to pay off your own debt. We, we would be like, okay, I'm $10 billion in the hole. So I'm just going to go to Vegas. I don't have that much. I'm in debt. So I'm just going to work at the dollar table and try and pay off my debt. And as we're doing that, we're just like, ranking up more and more and more and more debt. That's like what we're doing when we think, I'm just gonna do enough good deeds and I'm gonna pay off my debt. That's some of us. Uh, others of us are maybe more like on the competitive comparison edge where we're like, do you know what? 10 billion, okay, sure. Um, do you know what? I think I could do better than most people around me though. Maybe I could, if I could pay off nine, you know, if I, if I have 9 billion and they have 10 billion, maybe God will be impressed with me and like let me off the hook. Right, like maybe if he, if I just show myself, you know, like I'm working hard, and maybe he'll grade on a curve, and I'll get off, right? And we actually function day to day like that. Like we actually, we actually live our life, look around, and we're like, man, at least I'm not doing that and that and that. And then we like put our hope in that fact. Like I'm resting in the fact that I'm not as bad as them, and we actually like take refuge and lean on that as if that is going to help us with our debt. And so we, we, we uh, either try to work it off or we just try to compare it off. The truth is we're in a really desperate situation like this man. Uh, we've earned this horrific debt. And now, now look at what happens next in verse 27. This is, this is almost unfathomable. And out of pity for him, 
the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. So it helps a little to feel that this king just swallowed a $10 billion debt and said, you know what? I forgive you. You can go. And, And it's not like this guy deserved it. He got himself in debt. He was just simply forgiven by the mercy of that king. And, and if we're familiar with the gospel, we know this is a picture of what God has done for you and for me. That right there is a picture of the love of God, of what Jesus did on the cross. We're, we're in this desperate situation. We can't pay it. We can't get ourselves out. And God looks down on us and has pity on us. And he says, I will release you from your debt. I forgive you. There's, there's actually two really profound ideas in verse 27. These two words, the first one is the king released him. And then the second is and forgave him the debt. Those are, those are actually really important when we think about what God has done for us in the cross. So I'm going to start with a more familiar one, the forgiveness. God has forgiven us the debt, which another word for that is God doesn't just like, he doesn't just sweep our, our sin under the rug. Like, do you know what? I forgive you. Don't worry about it. God actually had to pay for it. God actually made a payment. Like this king doesn't just say, oh, don't worry about it. And then those $10 billion come back to him. He actually paid. The, the king took a loss in that situation. And God does the same thing. He doesn't just wave off our sin. He actually pays for it with his own blood on the cross. Just this is really practical. So if say I go to your house and I'm admiring your new TV, let's say it's $500 and I'm like, oh cool, wall mounted and like I loosen it from the wall, it shatters on the ground. I'm like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And you're like, hey, don't worry about it. I'm like, okay, thank you. Uh, Did that $400 just fly back into your wallet? No, like you paid that, that money. You, the person who forgives, takes a loss. And that, that's, that debt gets paid somewhere. On the cross, God didn't just wave your sins away. Like he actually suffered. He actually made a payment for your sin. He actually took on the wrath of God, your debt, and was punished with actual substance, actual righteousness. Jesus made an actual, literal payment for you so that he could say at the end, it's finished, I paid it, I paid it. That's forgiveness. Now, this other idea is release, which is one that we maybe aren't as familiar with all the time. Um, remember, this man was condemned to bondage. He was, con- he was like, you will be in prison, maybe even on the spot, like, hey, handcuff him, put chains on him, tie him up. You are now my slave. You are in bondage. And anyone who's been in debt can say amen to that, to that feeling like bondage. Debt is bondage. It's slavery. Like you are, you are in chains metaphorically. And so when grace was extended to him, he was released he was set free from these chains, like, like this boat tied to a dock or like a, like a balloon in a little kid's hands. God is like, I release you. And he was able to go free. He was free again. And when God looks at us and says, I forgive you, he releases us. There's this release from our debt. There's this release from trying to strive to pay it off. 
we are like freed. We are released. We are no longer enslaved to the debt of our sin. And, and I don't know if many of us like live in that. Like I am free. I am not, I don't have to pay for my sin anymore. I've been forgiven and released. Now that's awesome news. And it would be awesome if the story just ended there. Praise God, let's worship him. But the story takes a really dark turn at this moment. Notice in verse 28, it says, but when that same servant went out, even the fact he gets to go out, I get to like go home. He found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and he went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what, he had ta- what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. Okay, a couple things to notice here. Number one, we're su- Jesus intentionally like, made these two scenarios very similar. In fact, identical. Even the words used. Like he falls on his knees, have patience with me. And, and the point is this fellow servant is just like him. And you know what's crazy is this servant couldn't see himself in, that, in the person groveling on the floor before him. He couldn't see his own words coming out of that man's mouth. He couldn't see it. He was unable to see that I was just in debt and forgiven. He couldn't see that. All he knew was, yeah, but this guy owes me. And I think we often do the same thing, right? We think that somehow we're different from others when they sin against us. Like, no, I'm, I'm maybe a little better than them. Other people's sins are kind of worse than my sins. And, and so we can't identify and be like, man, that person who sinned against me is just like me. They're just like me. And one of the keys to forgiveness is to see yourself in the, in the person who sinned against you. That's one of the keys. And one of the hindrances to forgiveness is thinking that somehow I'm different. I'm different than that person. I, I'm not as bad. So, so notice how similar. But number two, uh, we should notice the difference in the debt amount, okay? So 100 denarii uh, means this. A denarius was about $150 equivalent. It was about the, a, a day's wage. So 100 denarii would, would be about 15 grand, okay? So that's, that's, that's a sizable amount of money, right? Like for most of us, we're like, okay, that's awesome. I was just forgiven $10 billion, but like 15 grand isn't just, oh yeah, let me just pull it out and give it to you. Like for some of us, that would maybe even like break us or hurt a lot. Like that's a significant amount of money. And the point here is forgiveness is often costly. It often hurts. You often don't just like walk away un, like unscarred or unscratched. Like forgiveness is going to hurt. But at the same time, $15,000 does not compare with $10.2 billion. No matter what anyone does to you, it will not come close to what we have been forgiven by God. It may hurt and it may cost us dearly, but it's not even in the same category, not even close. And so, so we're supposed to be like, Wait, that, that doesn't line up. And then, and then notice what this servant does. Listen to these words. Verse 28, seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. 
Remember, he was released and forgiven by the king, but what's he doing right here? He is, rather than releasing, he is seizing and choking and holding on, like, I will not let you go. He's refusing to release. And then he's saying, pay what you owe. He's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm demanding payment. I won't forgive you. I'm demanding you pay what you owe. That's just the world, man, justice. You need to pay me what you owe, and I'm not letting you go. I will not release you until you pay. Now, I think we do the same thing when we don't show mercy. We're, we're metaphorically like seizing and choking people. And we do that. And people feel that from us. When we're not forgiving, we're like, I want this to hurt. Like, I want this kind of to feel like you could feel my hands on your neck. And I think we need to ask ourselves, like, where am I seizing and choking others? Where am I refusing to release them? And you know what's really interesting? When we refuse to release and forgive, we're actually like holding ourselves in bondage. We've all experienced bitterness just doesn't work how we wish it would, right? Like you're like, oh, I'm just gonna just choke them and I'm just gonna be bitter. And like we are the miserable ones in bondage. We are the ones who are not released. And our own bitterness and unforgiveness is this poison that is far worse for us than the other person. So, so where am I holding on to and seizing? Where will I not let that person go? Maybe, I mean, practically, like, some of us are holding our parents. Some of us are still metaphorically, like, holding on to something that our parents did to us. Or maybe it's the other way. Maybe it's our kids. Uh, maybe we're, like, we're, we're seizing a coworker for an offense, and we're just like, man, I just can't let that go. I can't believe they did that. Maybe we're, we're doing the same thing to our boss. Like, I'm not going to release what they did, how they treated me wrong. Maybe it's, maybe for other of us, it's, I'm not going to just let go what that employee did and how, how they like weren't loyal to me, how they didn't work hard when I worked so hard for them. Maybe for some of us, it's, it's our spouse. Are there areas where we're secretly, even just a little bit like, I'm not letting that go. I can't let that go. I, I, I'm making them pay for what they did for me. We we need to just let the Holy Spirit do that work and say, God, where am I refusing to show mercy to others? Where am I doing the exact opposite of what, God, you have done for me in extending mercy? The last thing to notice is, notice how other people take notice of what's going on, right? The other servants are like, wait, really? Um, I think that often we don't see our own hypocrisy and unforgiveness, but like, do you know what's tragic is I think the world sees. I think the world kind of looks in at the church like, really guys? Like you're holding on to that? I think the world notices where we're like not willing to forgive maybe them or one another. Jesus is like, the world will, should know that you're mine by how you love each other, but I think maybe other people notice how we're not willing to forgive. I think maybe one of the, the biggest ways we're hindering our witness to the world is our own unforgiveness. Like, we, we don't make our king seem so very good and merciful when we're just like holding other people, I'm not letting you go. Now, it gets even worse. Uh, verse 35, there comes this threat that Jesus wants us to feel. It says this, then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. 
so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. You will go to hell if you do not forgive people. You will go to hell if you refuse to forgive someone. And Jesus wants us to feel that. My Father will not forgive you if you will not forgive someone. That is heavy, and Jesus says unequivocally, that is the threat of unforgiveness. Not just you're bitter, not just your relationships aren't as good, not just the world's like bummed, like your eternity is at stake when you will not forgive. You know, one of the ways the Bible talks about real faith and a real Christian is that it bears fruit. It, though we've been rescued by grace alone, real saving faith will show itself to be real. It will bear fruit. And when we stand before God, he will ask us, show me the fruit of forgiveness. And you will not get into heaven without the fruit of forgiveness on like the tree of your life. That is a required fruit. You're saved by grace, forgiven by grace, but if you've been forgiven, you will have that fruit in your life. And there's room for growth. God's not like, hey, you better be perfect right now and be totally like you need to forgive everyone all the time at this exact moment. There's room for growth, but there will and must be the fruit of forgiveness. What else about forgiveness, true forgiveness, that he's, that, that Jesus points out here is true forgiveness comes from the heart. Look at where it says in verse 35, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. True forgiveness, as difficult as it is, is not just I forgive you. Or often what's more common is like just that, that you know how we just forgive, we say the words, but like our tone and our body language and how we treat someone after that, that's not real forgiveness. Like, ah, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. Like, he says, you need to forgive from your heart. It's not just words. It's sincere, felt forgiveness that may need to be like, again, repeated every day, seven times a day, 77 times a day. Your flesh may be like, don't forgive. And the enemy's like, don't forgive. And the world's like, don't forgive. And people around you are like, don't forgive. But your heart, from your heart, there has to flow genuine forgiveness. Now, you may say, hey, I can't change my heart. I can't make myself forgive. And guess what? You're right. You can't change your heart. But do you know who does change hearts? Jesus. Jesus changes hearts. And if you're a Christian, he already has changed your heart. If you are a real born-again Christian, you have a new heart with this capacity to forgive. That's inherent in you've been handed this heart and guess what it can do it can forgive it's not easy necessarily but you can if you're a christian you have a changed heart and god says i'll fill you with my spirit and i'll guide you with my word and i'll convict you and i will give you strength to seven times seven times seven to continue to forgive now listen if you can't forgive it's actually an indicator that maybe you need a new heart if you are actually like, I cannot forgive and I will not forgive, it's actually a really good indicator. Like, just hear this. Maybe some of you guys, you're hearing, dang it, I need to forgive. I need to forgive. I need to forgive. When really, you need a new heart. 
You're not going to be able to just forgive on your own. Like you need a new heart from God that has been changed by the grace of God that says, man, this hurts, but I have the capacity to forgive because Jesus has changed me. Jesus has changed me. I am able to forgive. And we just need the wisdom to know that like if you're just stuck in bitterness, there's a real point where you're like, man, maybe I just don't really understand what God has done for me. Maybe I need a new heart. Maybe that's where I need to start. For others of us Christians, we need to hear this threat like, hey, your eternity's at stake. You have the capacity. So, so forgive your brother. Forgive your sister. And I, that's heavy stuff. And that's, it's eternal and it's important. It's heavy because eternity is a long time. And it's heavy because hell is a miserable place to spend eternity. And Jesus loves us enough to say, wake up, you have to forgive. I love you enough. You have to forgive. And I want to end this time that, that as heavy as that is, I want us to, to set our eyes looking somewhere specific this morning. I want us to re uh, re like look and set the eyes of our heart at the riches and the wealth of our king this morning. That's how I want us to end. And that's where our eyes need to be. If we're struggling with forgiveness, let me tell you where your eyes need to go right now. They need to go to Jesus. Because, okay, just let this blow your mind. One person's debt to him, to Jesus, was represented in this parable by $10 billion. And now, now think about this. There are currently 7 billion or so humans on the planet, right? And let's say every person's spiritual debt is about this guy's, okay? Uh, have you ever thought about how much it would take to forgive every human being currently alive of their sin in this parable, like in, the, in that metaphoric sense? I actually did the math. Look at this number. If Jesus forgave everyone on the planet Earth right now of their sin, that would be, like, we couldn't even, I don't even know how to pronounce that. I looked it up. It's seven quintillion, 140 quadrillion dollars. That represents the debt of everyone living. Okay, now let this blow your mind. He didn't just forgive everybody who's been alive right now. He, Jesus came for everyone who has ever lived. So uh, the, I looked up how many people have lived. Side note. If, if you're old earth, if you're old earth and you're like, no, we haven't lived that long, or if you're new earth, just quick side note, the number is actually the same. They, this, the, the best estimate is there's about 107 billion people who have ever existed, okay? So if, let's just say, Jesus had to forgive every person who has ever lived in the universe, the total human debt would be that. <laughs> One septillion 70 sextillion dollars. Like, we can't wrap our minds around a billion. And that represents, okay, so now listen. Jesus looks at that debt. And do you know what he says? He says, I can pay that. Let that blow your mind. Our God looks at that number and says, yeah, I can pay that. It would take like six hours on the cross. Let's do it. He says, I can pay that debt. That is the power and the greatness and the wealth and represents the generosity and the grace and the mercy of God. God is like, 
I've got, that's, that's nothing for me. I can pay that. Our king can pay that. God, he's not overwhelmed by that debt. There is no one like our God. There is no one as gracious or as generous or as patient or sacrificial or powerful enough. So if you're struggling with forgiving someone this morning, do you know where your eyes need to go? They need to go to the greatness of Jesus. And they need to feel that is his love for me. My debt, 10,000 talents, I could never pay it. We all this morning should look to Jesus and, and, and ask, am I willing just to come to him for mercy this morning? Do you know what that number represents? That represents his mercy towards you and your sin and your struggles like this morning. Like your sin and your struggles and your stress do not compare to the greatness of our king. You are coming to a king who's like, I'm able to take care of you. I'm able to cover all of your sins. I'm able to extend mercy for every sin, every day that you come to me. So this morning, let's, let's remember, our God is not the unmerciful servant who's holding your sin like, you have to pay me. Our God is a gracious king who's like, I will pay your debt. I will pay it for you. And if we're struggling with unforgiveness, like we all do and are, this is where we need to go, to the, to the knees. We need to go on our knees to the feet of our king, who is worthy and gracious and able. And so as we worship right now, we're going to have a prayer team. And uh, they are anointed to, to hear your sin, to hear like, man, I've been holding on to this. I haven't been letting this go. And there's power in confessing our sin. There is healing that comes when we confess our sin. We're going to have communion this morning. And as you just take this little cracker and dip it in, in this juice, remember what that cost, like that number. Like this is just no cracker and juice. This is the infinite love of God who would leave and humble himself and come and die on a cross for my sin. And he was able to do it. And then let's just worship our brains out. Jesus, you are so good. Let's feel the, the weight and the release that is lifted when we come to Jesus. We're, we can be released. That guilt can be released. That condemnation can be released. Though all those accusations from the enemy can be released when we come to Jesus this morning. So let's worship our great king this morning. Yeah. Yes, Lord. Jesus, you are incredible. There is literally no one that compares to you, God. No act of love or mercy or kindness comes close to what you have done for us, God. You, God, paid our debt. You didn't just send some other servant to like, hey, handle this. Like you came. You humbled yourself, God. You emptied yourself. And you hung naked and bleeding on a cross and you suffered the wrath that we deserve that we could be released and forgiven of our debt. And Jesus, I just ask now that, that as we marvel and worship and look to what you've done for us, 
I ask, Holy Spirit, you would just help us to to release where we've been seizing and choking and refusing to forgive. Jesus, we know your word says we are able to forgive and we must forgive. So please do a sweet work in us this morning where we can forgive. Maybe it's a 20-year-old just root of bitterness By your blood and by your spirit, we are able to forgive that this morning. And so would we do so? Would this room just be full of people confessing and releasing debts that that they're holding against others, God? And then may we just wonder and worship at the riches and wealth of our King. You are so good to us. We worship you now.